Awards season is over, or is it? Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host for The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about everything related to pop culture and technology. Thanks for joining us. Well, last weekend, as you probably know, the Academy Awards handed out their annual honors for everything good in film. And while I'm looking for... Are not so good. Or not so good. And while I'm looking <laughs> forward to talking about the big winner on the night, I'm even more interested in the conversation we're going to have today about our own awards. That's right. We're going to talk about the winners of this year's Plugged In Movie Awards. If you didn't know it, each year our team nominates five films in four different categories. Best Movies for Kids, for Teens, for Adults, and Best Christian Movie. And today, we're going to talk about the ones that we like the most. So if you have been wondering this Oscar season whether there are any films from last year that are worth your time, stay tuned, because we're going to talk about what we chose and why. We'd love for you to join the conversation as well. So be sure to let us know what you think by emailing us at team, that's T-E-A-M, at thepluggedinshow.com. We want to know what you think about our picks and what you might have chosen differently. So take some time and let us know what you think, and you can join the conversation too. And speaking of conversation, joining me today are... Paul Acey. Kristen Smith. Jonathan McKee. The 2020 Academy Awards are history. There really weren't too many surprises. Political speeches, check. <laughs> yes. Expected winners, check. Well, mostly. Joaquin Phoenix, Brad Pitt, Laura Dern, and Renee Zellweger's acting awards were pretty much what pundits had predicted. But the Best Picture winner? Man. A little bit of a surprise. That was a big surprise. <laughs> wow. It was a little movie called Parasite, and it's sort of a horror-comedy-thriller mashup that doesn't know exactly what it wants to be, and critics loved it so much that they named it Best Picture. So we're going to talk about that to kick things off today. What did you think of that choice? Paul, let's start with you since you were the one who reviewed it for us. Yeah, um, Parasite was a very interesting movie. Uh, it's a South Korean movie, as I think you mentioned. Subtitled. Subtitled. Uh, it has a lot of stuff going on. It's a very complex movie in a way where it's, it is, as you say, drama, horror, thriller, comedy, has a lot of, uh, of, uh, of a subtext of, of some social issues that are in the news. And, and so there was just a lot going on. And, and in terms of a, of a film construction, you can see why it became such a beloved film for critics. It wasn't my favorite film on the docket. I got to be honest with you. Yeah. Oh, um, I thought it was. I thought you really liked it. I did like it. As a movie, I thought it was really good. But, yeah. but I I like to have a, an emotional attachment to movies, I think. <laughs> and and although I really appreciated what Parasite did, it, it is a hard R movie. It has a lot of content issues. That is something we really need to be aware of. As far as a movie goes, it was well constructed. It was well acted. had some interesting points to make. But I like to feel that pull of the heart, you right. know? It seems like kind of a cerebral movie. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, and, and that's not to say that it didn't have its, its moments where it pulled you in, but but my heart was kind of it had kind of gone into some of these other nominations. Jonathan, did you see it? Yeah, yeah I did. And and you know the thing for me is I like Paul. I, I you know it, it was messy. Um, uh, it was weird. It lacked likable characters. 
Um, but I understand the draw. It's one of those movies where days later you're still thinking about it because it right, had a lot right, to right. say about social status. And I thought it was it was kind of almost it, it really poked at some issues that maybe needed to be poked at. I, I think the thing is, even if critics liked it and thought it was a great film, I thought it was a great film. I mean, think of what you're comparing it to. I mean, 1917, all the, I mean, there's some great options this year. And I mean, sure, it was a good film, but best picture? Well, and I think that that's one of the things, it's it's a really interesting contrast for me to see 1917, which a lot of people thought was going to win, yeah. compared to Parasite, because they feel like polar opposite of, of, of movies in a way. You have, you well, have Parasite are. that has, has such, a, such a complex story structure. 1917 is this sprawling epic, but has a very intimate story at its heart. Parasite, you don't necessarily know who you're rooting for throughout the entire movie, and, and I think that your allegiances sort of switch as the movie goes on. In 1917, you have two heroes that you follow, you know, as long as you can through this this one camera epic, and and it just made for, in my view, kind of a delightful contrast of movies. Well, I wish I could give more insight into that, but I didn't watch Parasite because scary movies freaked me out. <laughs> and I couldn't bring myself to watch it. My husband wasn't home, so I was like, should I watch this alone in the dark? No. No, no I shouldn't. And I don't think it's really a scary... I mean, even the word horror, a lot of people aren't using the word horror. I mean, yeah, that's you know, fair. I, I guess... Anything where somebody gets stabbed is is that a horror movie? <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, sure, I someone gets stabbed, but it wasn't a it wasn't a scary movie. It was just it was dark and weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was shocked that it won. I think going into it, especially after the Golden Globes, the buzz was with 1917, and of course with uh, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that it seemed like it was going to be Tarantino's year, and I wonder, and this is mere speculation, there was a ton of blowback on the Oscars this year about who got nominated and the lack of, of female directors, the lack of directors mm. of color, mm. uh, and I wondered how much that played into this choice, and I don't want to wonder too much about it, but I think uh, as I th took a step back and thought about it, that could have certainly been in play in terms of why this sort of surprising outlier was the one that won this award this year. Yeah, I mean, it could also be that people like movies that kind of keep them thinking for a couple days. You know, I mean, there are a lot of films like 19... Now, I don't mean exactly like 1917, but it's a war film. We've seen a war film before, and this was certainly done well, um, but maybe it was just the fact that it's a little... It was an outlier. Some yeah. really yeah. outliers. No, and I think that there's probably a little bit of truth in, in both of those. Yeah. I think that the... the I don't think that the Oscar votes close very early. So I think yeah. that some of the blowback that the Oscars had been experiencing, I, I'm sure that was sort of in the air. Um, and, and so you do think that maybe it could have had an impact. At the same time, I can understand why people would have gravitated toward Parasite. I think in, in some ways it feels, <clears throat> even though it's a South Korean film, the director has been deeply influenced by some of the greatest directors that that Hollywood has produced. You know, yeah. he called out Martin Scorsese in his in his acceptance speech, and and it feels like it has that sort of very atypical construction, but it still feels like it's it's of a piece of some of those classic directed movies. You know, yeah, I think that's exactly right, Paul, and I think that that serves as a a really great springboard to talk about the things that we chose for the Plugged In Movie Awards this year. 
Every year we review somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to 200 movies. and That's it? <laughs> feels like a lot more. And, and Paul feels like he does them all. I do them all. That was last okay. week. Okay. Um, and we spend a lot of time pointing out things in those movies that are problematic, things that you need to be aware of. And for a lot of those movies, issues that may almost automatically push them out of bounds for your family. And so with the Plugged In Movie Awards, we want to take this opportunity each year to go back and look at the year and say, man, here are some movies that we really liked for a lot of reasons. Now, just because we nominated them, it doesn't mean that it's a blanket endorsement to go watch all of them without thinking about it further. So I want to say that up front. And we've got a couple films on our list that that have some pretty gritty issues that we have dealt with. Um, But we feel like, on balance, these are movies that have redemptive themes that are really worth your time and your consideration in each of the four categories that we have uh, emphasized here. So I want to talk about our selection process with our team here. How would you describe the way we go about picking films for nomination and then picking the, the winner ultimately? Oh, man. It's, it's so fun. It's fun, yeah. We all sit in the <laughs> conference room. Uh, Dim, just kidding. No, we're all sitting around and we get to list all the movies on a board and we just go at it, like what we think is best. And so, yeah, there's a little bit of bloodshed, <laughs> some tears. Metaphorical. Uh, Metaphorical. Yeah. Mine is sort of healing now. Yeah. we At some point we come to a conclusion. No, but a lot of times we talk about, uh, like you said, the redemptive themes and, and what we saw that we th- that we thought would stand out for our audience particularly because there's so many good Things I think in a lot of these movies that might not reach every family. Yeah, Jonathan, I wish you could have been there. I think that that one of the things that I love about these meetings, these are my favorite meetings that we have all year. And Paul normally doesn't use you. favorite in meetings. Wow. Yeah. No, no. No. I'm, just I'm not really a big meeting person, but, <laughs> but you know that I love talking and talking deeply about a lot of these movies. That is not evident at all. <laughs> <laughs> and so this gives us an opportunity to really dive into a movie's strengths, its weaknesses. We, yeah. can, we can champion certain movies. We can belittle certain movies. And it becomes a really energetic conversation that, that I think is really rewarding. Yeah. You know, those are all really great thoughts, and I want to just, at this point, jump in. So here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to have each of us take a category and read the nominees in that category, and then we'll open the envelope, so to speak, to reveal each category's winner and talk about why we ultimately chose that film over the other ones that were in that category. So, Kristen, why don't you kick us off with Best Movies for Kids? Sure. Okay. Well, we had a couple of selections. There was Abominable, Aladdin, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Klaus, and Toy Story 4. And we settled on Toy Story 4. Yeah. So this was a bit of a fight, if you will. <laughs> uh, there, were, there were some heated conversations about this one because I think everyone kind of assumed it Toy Story 4 would take the win. Right. And it did for us for a lot of reasons. But Which is why I didn't vote for it. Yeah. <laughs> but there were also a lot of other really good, like a lot of really solid messages in a lot of these other movies. But I think in the end, we thought Toy Story 4 had that that fun feel, and it had a lot of really solid messages that we thought would resonate with a lot of people. So, so. since I wasn't in the room, I'm so jealous. I just got to hear, was Aladdin <laughs> in the running, man? Because I, I loved know, Aladdin. 
I thought it was, well, I personally thought it was okay. I'm like a huge classic Disney fan. Gotta go with the original cartoons, man. Yeah, man. I don't know. Some of these remakes I'm not loving, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was, I think because I love the classic so much, I thought it was so cool and so nostalgic to see it come to life. And plus with Guy Ritchie at the helm, and plus it was kind of interesting seeing Guy Ritchie you know, make a film that your kids could actually see. But no, I th- I, right, I really right. enjoyed it. There's that. It, so. The first and last time that will ever happen. <laughs> yeah, and Jonathan, I got to tell you, we actually welcome our readers to to vote for their own favorites. Yeah. And yeah. Aladdin won Aladdin. The, uh, the, the reader's yep. favorite. So, ah, so you're in good, good company with our readers. Paul, what were some of the reasons that we ultimately chose Toy Story 4 over the others? Because in some ways, kids' movies are broadly similar. Tricky. I mean, we often mm-hmm. get themes that have to do with friendship or sacrifice or heroism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, know, you can find all of those in, in the movies that we've nominated here. Mm-hmm. What was it that tipped our hand in favor of Toy Story 4? Because I think you were one of the strongest advocates yeah. for it. Yeah. And I, if, I can only speak for me, really. But I think that the thing that moved me about Toy Story 4 that, that separated from the pack is that they were really trying to deal with some very difficult questions. You know, I, I think that, that the character of Forky, he always wants to dive back into the trash and so for me <laughs> you know, related to that I, I really did because every <laughs> actually right something. during these podcasts there's a couple of times when I want to just jump into the trash <laughs> but but I do think that it sort of gets into these questions of of meaning and why are we here and what is our purpose yeah. and you know Toy Story obviously is not a it's not a spiritual movie on its face but when you talk about those messages of purpose to love other people as for he is loving his child you know I think that 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 becomes a nice message that that you can bring out and that parents can can transmit to their kids yeah and I think that's the one thing that Pixar's movies so consistently do that others have tried at and not very many succeed they bring this sort of existential layer uh, and existential in the best sense of the word you know asking big big picture questions about like you said why are we here how do we find purpose how do we know who we are and and they're movies that enable us to grapple with those questions, uh, you know, as adults in a way that kids may not be grappling with those questions yet. But but this was a movie about, you know, characters that we've known and loved for a long time yeah. getting older, too. And so I think that this is a movie that could have resonated with even into teens in a way that perhaps some of the earlier Toy Story movies didn't. Yeah. Well, let's move on, speaking of teens, to our next category, which is Best Movies for Teens. Paul, tell us what we nominated and who the winner was. You bet. I'm very close to my teens, so I'm, I'm set for this. Best <laughs> Movies for Teens, our nominees were Avengers Endgame, Blinded by the Light, Harriet, Little Women, and Togo. Uh, this is an, always an interesting category for us to talk about because a lot of times, by default, a lot of the big blockbusters fall into this into mm. this category. Mm. Yeah. This was sort of a year where we zagged a little bit. You don't find as many humongous blockbusters as you, as you typically do. Uh, Avengers Endgame was obviously... Except very, for the biggest movie of all time. Except exactly. for the biggest <laughs> yeah, movie no. of all time. <laughs> but that was sort of the outlier in this. We, we chose some, some pretty interesting movies for this. And the one that we chose as the winner... Was was Harriet. My okay. favorite movie of the year. Hmm. Was tell, it really? yeah. tell us why. It is, it's such a good film. And I, I think before I went in, I, I've obviously read a lot about Harriet Tubman and you learn about her in school. And then when you sit down to see this amazing film, I walked out of there wanting to be her. Like, 
that's who I want to be when I grow up (laughs) (laughs) because it was so powerful and it showed her relationship. I think in a way that surprised me for Hollywood, it showed her relationship with God as the strongest um, element in the whole film. And I was blown away the entire time that they didn't, it wasn't like in a way that they made fun of it. It was like this very serious, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm learning how to listen and God is leading me through this. And I thought, wow, like way to like knock it out of the park. Uh, I know. Right. I mean, when do you ever see that i mean whenever somebody actually loves god or is a christian they're usually made fun of in hollywood so yes what a right yeah no it was one of my favorite movies of the year too for all the reasons that Kristen and jonathan have pointed out and and i think that what i loved about it was this wasn't a christian movie so often when we hear these stories it's done by people who are very much coming from a Christian perspective. Um, and, you know, that's the audience they're aiming at. And I don't know, you know, who the screenwriter or even the director were. It's It could be that they're people of deep faith. So I'm mm-hmm. not trying to say they're not Christians, but this was a mainstream Hollywood release. Yep. And it really focused on how Harriet Tubman had almost like these visions. She was mm-hmm. almost like a mystic, which yeah. I had no idea. And I think yeah. that it was pretty accurate in terms of its reflection of her experience. And you see her grappling with the cost of being obedient. Yes. And, and that's the other thing I liked about it. It wasn't that her relationship with God automatically made things awesome or easy. And sometimes I think I think that we think our faith is supposed to make things easy. Harriet Tubman's faith actually made her life really hard. Yeah. And there was an enormous cost in what she felt God was calling her to do. But we see her be obedient to that and we see God's blessing on her life and Man, it was really a remarkable story, I thought. And I think what I really enjoyed, too, is I watched 12 Years a Slave, which was unbelievable. I mean, such such a good movie, but it is. It's a hard movie to watch. And this, I mean, honestly, historically, I'm sure, like, they could have taken this a whole different direction. But I think that they solidly landed on something that could reach... Uh, a little like more audiences without it being so difficult to watch. Hmm. I want to say one more thing before we move on to the next category about Harriet. You might not think of this automatically as a movie for teens. And the reason we put it in this category as opposed to uh, maybe the adult category is this is a movie that I think teens especially could relate to uh, in terms of some of the struggles that she faces and some of the decisions she has to make. And, And I think that we live in a time where we don't think about history very much. Um, and so this was a, a movie that's deeply rooted in an important part of our history, and there's real value there as well. Well, I want to move on to our next category, and Jonathan is going to read our list of nominees here and give us the winner in Best Movies for Adults. Jonathan? Oh, man, I tell you, and when I looked at this list, I was like, he, here is where all the, I mean, I mean, these nominees, I mean, look at them, 1917, a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, The Farewell, A Hidden Life, which is, of course, Terrence Malick. So, Paul, I'm sure we're going to talk about that. And <laughs> Just Mercy. And our winner is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And, man, talk about a tough choice. Uh, I yeah. mean, think of the options there. I mean, from, you know, Just Mercy, this famous civil rights attorney who's working to free this wrongly condemned Prisoner or 1917, which we've already talked about so much. Um, I'm excited a beautiful day in the neighborhood one, because again, this is really about this journalist who is so impacted by the life of Fred Rogers. It's a true story. And let's be honest, this was because Fred Rogers 
live the life of Christ, man. And his love just showed through. So here again, we've got another movie where Christ's love just absolutely shows through. And man, it was tough because this, this choice, when you think about it, there were some great choices here um, other than the, Terrence Malick one and uh and so because <laughs> that one's a real sleeper but I mean honestly this, this was a tough choice to make so I'm really glad that A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood won in the best grown-up category yeah now this is always one of my very very favorite um categories to debate because mm-hmm. we have some very passionate feelings on all of these movies <laughs> just cage. a few <laughs> a little cage match it really is it, yeah. it really gets to be that way you yeah. know we had we had people arguing for 1917 you know Jonathan that I was pushing hard for for a hidden life because it's such a great movie it is fantastic Jonathan I'm gonna I am gonna put you in a seat and force you I'm gonna do like the clockwork orange thing prop your eyelids open so you can Uh, thanks just took a dark we're gonna move on I think I'm gonna grab All right, yeah, maybe maybe that was a little too far. But A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, it was a great, great movie. And I think that the thing that I always come back to to it is something that you said. Something about, I said. Something Ooh. you said when we walked out of the screening. You said, it's not often that a movie makes you want to become a better person. And A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood does that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it, it absolutely does. It was my favorite movie of last year. and And I say that not as a somebody who really loved Mr. Rogers. I know that sounds terrible. I think actually it really wasn't until after Fred Rogers' death in 2003 that he became something of a cultural hero. Mm -hmm. Even up to that point, he was an easy person to make fun of. You know, if you wanted to just totally bag somebody, you could say, oh, you know, who are you, Mr. Rogers? And he was sort of the butt of jokes. I think that his legacy and what's amazing about it is people are really seeing how his kindness and his consistency, his integrity and his quiet expression of faith had a radical impact. And I think right now, a movie about kindness is a movie we need. It is a movie yeah. we need. I think the intentionality that we see in his life, it is remarkable. I, I, Mr. Rogers has been one of my own personal heroes. And as you know, I because don't have many Because you're a better person those. than me. He, That's not You true. know, I think that, that it is really amazing to, to see his life manifested. And I do think that if we all tried to be a little more like Mr. Rogers, it might be a better world. Yeah. Now, to be fair, this was a really difficult category for us to choose. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. really love that our audience pick was 1917. Mm-hmm. And okay. that was something that we really talked about a lot because it is rated R. Right. And so it, there are content issues with it, but it was such a well-done film. And so there was a lot here, like Jonathan said before, that... We kind of put up against each other. So, yes, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood obviously was the winner that we chose. Well, but well and at times, let's just be decisions. real, there's going to be times where a rated R movie is a really good movie. I mean, Passion of the Christ. I mean, there's there's some yeah. movies that sometimes just it's yep. uh, content that you don't want your 12-year-old sitting there necessarily watching, you know. Some of this war violence can be hard for a young kid to watch. So, But it doesn't mean it's not a good movie. So. True. Right. Now, the context is important, and we're actually going to talk about that in our next category, too. And I'm going to bring us, if not in for a landing, we're at least going to begin to get the landing gear down on this <laughs> year's discussion <laughs> we're of our favorite the movies. We're approaching the runway. I'm going to talk about best Christian movies, and our nominees this year were Breakthrough, Jesus is King, Overcomer, The Pilgrim's Progress, and Unplanned. And speaking of R-rated movies that are hard to watch but have value... 
We landed on Unplanned as our choice this year. And if you're not familiar with it, it tells the story of Abby Johnson, who was a Christian, but was a strong pro-choice proponent. And she ended up working as the director of a Planned Parenthood clinic in Bryan, Texas, uh, for a number of years. And it was a very successful uh, clinic in terms of the number of procedures that they performed. Uh, And then one day she's called in to actually participate in an abortion procedure. And she sees what happens with her own eyes. And that experience transforms her. Um, Now, we see it too. Uh, Well, we see a you know, a a depiction of it on the ultrasound screen. And it's one of the most stunning, stunning things I have ever seen on screen. I don't know that I have ever maybe felt like somebody gut punched me like this movie does. But I think it forces us to leave behind the sterile terms that we sometimes use to talk about abortion into grappling with the reality of what's going on here. And so uh, again, it's an R rated movie because of some of the images we see depicting it realistically. Mm -hmm. uh, But one that I think certainly for older teens and for adults has real value. Yeah. You know, this film was amazing, you know, because they first they had the working title redeemed because they basically knew it was going to be protested and they wanted to keep the protests down. And then when it actually was coming out, I mean, we had some TV channels that refused to air the ads. Uh, you know, their Twitter yeah. mysteriously went down. There were some there were some serious forces working against this film, but it is a powerful message. And uh, yeah. it, it for me. Um, it was interesting because uh, we worked with a ministry where we had a, a teen mom's ministry and one of our teen mom's director, her personal story was when she was a teenager, she got pregnant, walked into a planned parenthood. There was a new employee working there and they did an ultrasound on her and she saw the ultrasound screen. She, this pregnant teen saw the screen and she goes, is that the heartbeat? And this new Planned Parenthood worker was like, oh, you're not supposed to see that, and tried to turn the screen away. And she goes, wait, that's my baby's heartbeat. And she decided not to mm. abort. Wow. And it was yeah. seeing that heartbeat that made it. And it literally another worker came in and goes, oh, you're not supposed to see this, and what, you know, started getting mad at that worker. I mean, so it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. You might think this, you know, oh, that's fiction. That doesn't happen. No, I know someone where it happened, and it changed her life. And her son mm. is now a teenager. I've met him. You know, I mean, it's amazing. Oh, so, wow, so great. this this story is one of those stories that it does impact people when people realize that's a life, that's my baby, and and it's huge, and and it's a very debatable message. Um, and here's one that you know didn't have to necessarily do with picket signs and whatever, but telling that story. And it was a good story to be heard. Yeah. And I think our audience obviously agreed because we, we agreed for maybe not for the first time, but we are on the (laughs) same page and you guys picked unplanned as well. Um, And I do think that as uh, it it was a really very difficult movie to watch, had a lot of incredible messages. I mean, the, the prime message itself, but man, it is, it is hard to watch, but that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean we shy away from it, which is why we chose it. And so um, not something that I would, yeah. recommend for a younger audience but man it's good well and i think that when we're talking about these these content laden movies that may yeah. have some really strong messages you just have to be aware of of where your own sensitivities lie yeah for sure you know and i think that that when we say that unplanned is a great movie it is that doesn't necessarily mean that you should watch it right and so you really have to just look at the review pray about it consider what your own heart is telling you and and, and kind of go from there that's exactly right Well, to paraphrase a popular proverb, 
of the making of movies, there is no end. But we've reached the end of our time here today. We hope that this has been an opportunity for you to perhaps hear about some movies you didn't know about. And if you have questions about any of these movies, whether they were award winners or not, you can find links to all of our reviews at thepluggedinshow.com. And if you've got thoughts or feedback or rebuttal, you think we picked the <laughs> wrong thing, which, you know, I don't know that there's a right choice here. Although Paul thinks there were right I, choices. I, I yeah, so. Paul's pretty yeah. confident about our choices. Uh, <laughs> drop us a line at team at thepluggedinshow.com and we'll take a look at it. We may even mention it in an upcoming podcast. Well, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, by all means, do that today as well. Wherever you listen to podcasts, tell your friends about us, tell everybody. And we look forward to spending some more time with you next week on the next edition of The Plugged In Show. 